when we're afraid, where do we turn? For many of us in this season of COVID, it's causing us lots of questions, isn't it, about some of our most concrete beliefs. The things that we thought were stable, were immovable, are now crumbling around us and around those we love. Sarah listed a few, didn't she, at the beginning of our service. Our health, our investments, our jobs, our social lives, our education. For some people, as Sarah said, the fear of going to the shops with all the, the risks from people's faces and touching things it is enough to, to bring us to our knees with that such simple task. Behind all these fears, I wonder, is there one main fear? And if there is, perhaps it's control. Or rather, who is in control? Because all of our control, all of our plans, all of our investments in our homes, in our banks, in our future, in our bodies, our health, our children, our relationships, all of it are now being irrecoverably shaken, aren't they? And we find ourselves on our knees and afraid in the dark, longing for the light to break upon us and for this long night to end. Brothers and sisters, if this is close to your experience or close to the experience of someone you know and love, what God is saying to us today from his word is this. When darkness seems your closest friend, cry out to the Lord who saves. When darkness seems your closest friend, cry out to the Lord who saves. If you have a Bible with you on your phone or physically, you might find it helpful to have it open as we look at this together, Psalm 88. But if not, um, I'll guide us through it as we go. This is perhaps the lowest point in the whole of the Psalter. And you felt that, didn't you? Particularly as Emma gave us that musical reflection on it. Known as the Psalm without hope. Since there's no reassurance of God's unfailing love, no answers to the psalmist's longings, no comfort or easing of his current torment. Verse 3, overwhelmed with troubles. Verse 8, strength sapped. Verse 4, verse, uh, sorry, verse four, sorry, verse 8, his closest friends have turned away from him. They, they can't deal with his condition. He's repulsive to them. He feels confined, trapped, unable to escape, maybe like being behind a face mask or in your home. Verse 9, so worn out by his weeping that, that he can barely open his eyes, his, his vision blurred by his tears, or, or perhaps the depressive hopelessness of his situation just makes the future meaningless to him, and he can't see past today. Verse 15, he's lost all hope and feels in despair. He's constantly in fear of what will happen to him next. He, he's terrified. That's the language here, your terrors. Verse 17, these, these fears, these terrors feel like they're constantly sweeping over him, crashing over him again and again and again. Like waves, verse 7, like a flood, verse 17, rising up to engulf him. Leaving him feeling alone, stranded and abandoned, verse 18. Darkness is my closest friend. It's the final line in the psalm. It's vivid stuff, isn't it? This is real. This is raw. The, the present unending experience of someone who is suffering. 
I wonder, have you known suffering like this? Do you perhaps know someone who does? For our psalmist, it might be that there's a a life-threatening, debilitating illness they're going through. Like they're on the verge of death since youth, verse 3 and 15. And they feel beyond God's reach. I mean, what must that feel like? Like you're in a pit so low, you're in a grave, verse 5, and you're, you're cut off beyond God's memory. Beyond God's reach and left ruminating in this deep pit with all the unanswered questions constantly echoing in the dark chasms of their mind, verse 10 and 12. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up to praise you? Is your love declared in the grave? Your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? He's left alone to wonder if God's love can reach him down in his pit of despair. The psalmist is overwhelmed by troubles. He feels beyond God's reach. This is a dark and lonely place to be. But for our psalmist, it turns darker still. Because the psalmist understands that God has allowed these things to happen to him. Verse 6. You, my Lord, have put me in the lowest pit. Verse 7, your wrath lies heavy on me. You have overwhelmed me. You have taken my closest friends. Verse 8. Verse 16, your wrath, your terrors. Verse 18, you have taken my neighbours and friends from me. But although this psalm looks hopeless and bleak, we actually see that this psalm has been anchored in hope this whole time. Look at verse 1 with me. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Whatever this psalmist is facing, his trust is in a sovereign God who knows, who he knows, despite his present and unending experience, he knows is a God of salvation. If God was not sovereign, if God was not in control, then God would have no power to save our psalmist, no ability to bring relief to this poor, broken pilgrim. There's a book, you might have read it or heard of it or seen the movie called The Shack, which came out, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago. And it paints a picture of a God who weeps with us in the brokenness of our world. And is sad at the impact our broken world has on his creatures who he loves. A God who is all comfort but in the shack. A God who has no power. Who is closer to the Hindu doctrine of karma than to the word of scripture. Who can't change anything. Or who has made free will so important that he as a loving God wouldn't interfere with our choices however bad they are. No matter what we tend to do. I bet you actually don't believe in a God like this. Because if you did, you wouldn't pray to him 
to stop natural disasters, to remove COVID-19, to bring relief to people in Lebanon, to turn the hearts of people to him. I know, I'm sure, that each of you earnestly pray for these things. I know that you believe in a God who answers prayers like these. So I know you don't actually believe in an impotent God. You believe in the God of the Bible. When darkness seems your closest friend, cry out to the Lord who saves. There isn't space here today to get into questions around divine sovereignty. And actually, the psalmist doesn't need to hear them, does he? Like Job before him, he recognizes that all things good and bad are of God. Job cries and prays, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the Lord, name of the Lord be praised. But when you are in your pit of despair, or when you know someone who is, what's not needed is a theology lesson on the plans and purposes and will of God. What is needed is someone to walk alongside you, to walk with you, to weep with you, and to allow you to pour out your emotions to God and perhaps to do it for you when you feel like you can't. When darkness seems your closest friend, cry out to the Lord who saves. And this is the God that you cry out to. This is the God the psalmist cries out to. The God who not only has the power to save, no. What does the psalmist say? The God who saves me. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Verse 1. Although the psalmist is overwhelmed by troubles, and even though he feels beyond God's reach, and perhaps because he understands God's sovereignty, he continues to pray. Verse 2, my prayer comes before you. Verse 9, I call to you, Lord, not from time to time, but constantly every day. Verse 13, but I cry to you for help. Lord, in the morning, my prayer comes before you. It's like he's saying, when I wake up and a fresh wave of misery hits me with a dawn chorus, my first impulse is to pray. Not a, a soppy mumbling, not a stoic chanting. No, crying out to God. Listen to me. Turn your ear to my cry. Because you are the God who saves me. Look back at the questions in verses 10 and 12. Even in his darkest, most loneliest moments, he still recognizes that God works wonders. That God is loving. That God is faithful. That God is righteous, even in the midst of it all. We might have bleak moments of despair like the psalmist. We may well shepherd someone along the road of sorrow. We may be doing that today. But our great shepherd, our God, doesn't just offer us comfort from a distance, doesn't just pat us on the head and says, there, there, with some Christian, well-meaning, hallmark-hard platitudes. He doesn't leave us alone to cry out in the echo chamber of our minds. 
even though that's maybe sometimes how it might feel. Perhaps it feels like that today. No. Our God meets us in our everyday experiences. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. I need to tell you this, brothers and sisters. Jesus suffered greater anguish and torture than we can ever imagine. Jesus is the embodiment of this psalm. Overwhelmed with fear as he looked forward to the cross to the point of sweating blood in prayer. His closest friends, what did they do? They betrayed him or abandoned him or were repulsed by him. He was counted as a criminal, feeling completely forsaken by God as he cries out on the cross, bearing the full wrath and anger of God against sin upon himself on the cross. His body broken by the terrors born upon him, set among the dead, confined to a tomb with no way to escape. Jesus fulfilled this psalmist cry and ours. Our Lord Jesus endured the darkest night in history so that all who put their trust in him can bask in the light of his glorious salvation. This is our Lord, the God who saves our high priest, who is able to sympathize with us because he was tempted in every way, just as we are yet. He continued to cry out to God for every time that we are crushed and broken and feel unable to. Brothers and sisters, when darkness seems your closest friend, cry out to the Lord who saves who has promised to one day lift you from your pit into his marvellous light. When you feel crushed beyond hope and are tempted to think that God has abandoned you, no, no for sure and for certain that because Jesus was abandoned in your place, God will never, ever, ever abandon you even though it may feel like the darkest night for you right now. Know that if you belong to our beautiful saviour, no one, not even that snake, the devil, can snatch you from his universe creating powerful grip. My favourite verses in scripture, John chapter 10, verse 28, 29, Jesus himself promising us, I give my sheep eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. If you believe in our Lord Jesus, no matter how dark the world seems to you now, know that he has promised that whatever happens, he and his Father both have you firmly held in their grip. And the universe creating powerful hands of God and Jesus have promised to never, ever let go of you and to never let you be taken away from them. When you are in the pit of despair, cry out to your God. Know that he hears you and he has won salvation for you 
through his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Be encouraged to pour out your pain to a God who will never refuse to listen to you because his son, our Savior, Jesus, sits at his right hand right now at this moment, praying for you and interceding with words that you can't bring to yourself. When you walk with someone on the road of sorrow, weep with them. Cry out to God with them and for them. Don't try to answer their longings. Isaiah writes in chapter uh, 50 of his prophecy, verse 10, Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. Brothers and sisters, when darkness seems your closest friend, cry out to the Lord and know that he saves you. Amen.